Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to the Risen Nation Church Podcast. I pray that this message today impacts your life and above all, draw you into a deeper encounter with Jesus. Okay, can I preach this for a little bit? Is that okay? All right. I uh, first wanted to, my sister Michelle's not in here, but it was her birthday on Saturday. Yesterday. So come on, let's wish her a happy birthday. There she's at. She knew I was going to do that, so she decided not to be in here. Um, if you don't know who Michelle is, Michelle is like the boss. She um, is our treasurer. She does pretty much everything here. So if you see her, give her a hug. She loves them. Um, and also, we're going to be doing something special at the end of service. But I, I really, um, how many of you have been enjoying what the Holy Spirit is doing here? Um, I... I struggle, to be honest with you, sleeping on Saturday nights because I feel like a little kid excited uh, to get inside of this room. Um, there's something that you're provoking out of the Lord. And I need you to hear that. Like, I'm moved at the fact that we can move God. That's unbelievable to me, that we can provoke him in the way that we love him. Anyone? Oh, there's Michelle. There's, there she is. Everybody turn around. Just, she's right there by the door. You were hiding, hiding, but I saw the orange thing you're wearing or whatever color that is. Um, anyways, anointing, gone. I don't know. It's a shirt. Yeah, I get it. Uh, also, too, I'm so excited that Jasmine is here. If you don't know Jasmine, Jasmine is a pastor in Florida. She has a church called Destiny Church, and we worked together at Lifestyle for some years, and uh, we're so excited that you're here. All right, I, I want to recap a little bit of two weeks ago. How many of you enjoyed Mother's Day? Uh, all the crying, all the tears. I don't think I've ever cried so much in a service. Kaylee started reading a bunny story, and we lost the room. Um, and then how many of you women came to the women's night last night? I heard it was amazing. Um, and what's so cool is, like, all in one season, my sister, who never uses a microphone, or my mom last week, the Lord's doing something, and we're just going to ride the wave. You know what I'm saying? Monse is going to be next. It's going to be a whole thing. Um, all right. But two weeks ago, I, I ministered, and I, I did a message called Oil, Tears, and Kisses. How many of you heard that? Um, and I want to recap a little bit, and we're going to kind of um, change uh, the tone a little bit, but yet it all kind of is going to work together. Uh, but how many of you remember us talking about that any time in the Old Testament we saw Reformation happen, it was when the order of David's worship was restored. Remember that? And this is Acts 15. This is the moment that I believe that we are in, that I will pour out my spirit. And then in those days, uh, after that, it says, and then I will rebuild the tabernacle of David. And I believe that we were in a moment. I, I'm sensing it. I'm feeling it. We're seeing the fruit of it effortlessly, which is beautiful. And by the way, if Jesus healed you, please make sure you keep sending in the testimonies like you are because half the time you don't raise your hand and then we get an email that's like, yeah, I didn't really believe it, but God did it anyway. So just keep, make, make sure you keep doing that because we want to uh, proclaim what the Lord is doing. We want to uh, testify so that it's a do it again, God, amen? But there's something that's happening effortlessly in worship. Uh, when it used to feel like it was dragging an hour and a half, we're having trouble now uh, stopping at an hour and a half. 
And, and what it is, is that the Lord has prepared the hearts of people that are saying, we just want you to come and that's all we want. That we're gonna worship you until you come and when you come, that'll be enough. Because some of you want worship to be unto something. And worship is not unto your gifting. It's not unto your calling. It's not unto your destiny. It's not unto you being more powerful because you got touched by him. It's just unto the touch. Right? Gabriel makes this statement of, for too long we have made decisions. Uh, do you want to, how do you say it? Say it so that I don't ruin it. Don't make decisions. Don't make decisions for the fulfillment of destiny, but make decisions for proximity. Don't make decisions, listen, for the fulfillment of destiny, but make all of your decisions for proximity. What that looks like in the context of worship is that we aren't worshiping for anything other than him. We don't actually worship him so he heals people. We just worship him, right? And this is the paradigm I believe that the Lord is changing is we're not worshiping him for any other reason than him. I don't know how else to say this, but he's beautiful and that's enough. Anyone ever been in prayer and you hit that point when nobody's around where the only word I can use that might offend any religion in the room is it becomes like, a, like ecstasy in the spirit. Any of you know what I'm talking about? Some of you are offended because I'm like, just get over yourself. But you hit this point, like you, you really know you're praying when you like forgot you're praying. That's a good way to say it, right? You really know you're worshiping when you forgot that you're in a room singing, right? And you get to that point where words just aren't good enough anymore. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Where silence becomes the heaviest thing in your life and you pray in these moments. I, I had a moment like this this week where God just comes and he lands on you in a private room and you think, please don't leave and Jesus, don't let my kids come in right now. That's just, that's my personal prayer life, Right? I have a little lock on my door and they, and it's a barn door. And I don't know why I got the barn door because it keeps out no sound whatsoever. And I see their little hands coming through the, the hole. And I'm like, the Lord says, you know, let the children come to him. So I open the door, but there's these moments where, where he comes so profoundly that you stop and you don't need to say anything. And you could sit there for an hour in silence and it just answers every question. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you don't, there is a deep place in the Lord that he wants you to go today of you don't need words, you don't need sounds, you don't need loud, you just need him. And it just, there's a fulfillment in it that you leave like, I feel like we got nothing done. He didn't say anything, I didn't say anything, but it was everything. Okay. There's, there is worship that God is restoring and it's starting in the deep place of our heart. It's starting not as we go leaping over the mountains with him in the hills, which we will do, but it starts when you open up the windows of your heart to him. And there's reformation that God is building around a bunch of people who wanna do nothing but worship him. And while religion tells you you're being lazy, you're gonna walk into Starbucks dripping with the Lord while they walk in with their gifting. And I love gifting. We want gifting. But if he's not the number one gift, you really have nothing. You're a clinging symbol. That's what it says. Without love, you're just a symbol smashing in someone's face. You can be the most accurate person in the world. But if you want your words to carry weight, that transforms. You have to be lost in the son of man. Okay? So he's, he's, 
He's bringing us back, and I want you to write this down, to slow and sacrificial. Slow and sacrificial. We talked two weeks ago about what made David different is in Acts 13, I love it in the ESV, because in Acts 13, he shows up at his state of the union. All of Israel is there. It is the biggest moment of his life. He's just finally become king. And his agenda is we didn't go after the presence in the days of Saul, but we are now. And that's it. There's no other agenda. We didn't go after the ark then, but we're going after it now. And he hires 10,000 people to minister to the Lord. 10,000 people, there's no, the only crowd there is the worship team, but there's 10,000 of them surrounding a little ark inside of a tent. 10,000 people. And you see this order that he puts in place that generations, listen, generations later, they would have reformations in times of sin and walking away from God as they reestablished worship, right? And this is what I believe he's doing in our generation in this moment. If you just turn on YouTube for like five minutes, you'll see that God is doing something in worship. If preaching saves the world, it would have been saved a long time ago, Catherine Coleman would say. But what the Lord is looking for and seeking diligently, according to John 4, is true worshipers that worship him in spirit and in truth. So there's reformation happening around a people that just want to gather around his presence, right? But it's, it's getting us back to sacrificial worship. And in 13, David messed up because they found in 2 Samuel 6, listen, 2 Samuel 6's account, they find the Ark of the Covenant on a cart. They adopted the ways of the ones that stole it from them and they put it on a new cart. And they're gonna get to Jerusalem easy, quick, fast, church, hour and a half, no more. They wanna make it innovative and the new thing killed his friend. I want to guard from us saying new things, new things, new things, because I think what we need is something that's like three and a half thousand years old. I think our new things and our innovative things and our screens and our lights and our fog has kept us from the actual cloud of glory. And I think that God's raising up a bunch of wild, peculiar, crazy people that are willing to say something even if people leave their church. So in 2 Samuel 7, they find a new cart. They put it on. He loses his friend. After that, I saw this the other day. 2 Samuel 7, in the account when he's bringing it in, they stopped every six steps after putting it on the priest. Every six steps, they stopped. They would, they would sacrifice an animal and worship the Lord. So it went from fast, easy, innovative to slow and sacrificial. Right? They slowed down. They got back to what mattered. And it's like they got to this point, if it takes us six months to get there, we're gonna stop every six steps. And the number six is the number of man. We're gonna stop every time man starts getting involved. Maybe they get to seven, go back to six when man gets involved. Sacrifice again and make sure it stays about him. Every six steps, number of man. We're gonna stop when it gets about us, when it gets to our number. When it gets to what we want, we're gonna stop and we're gonna make sure that it goes slow and sacrificial, right? And so when I start feeling the temptation to rush service, it's in those moments that we stop and we get sacrificial. 
This is the purest form. Listen, the purest form of worship is when we need God to make it. It's dependency. It's I'm perfecting. And Matthew says, I'm perfecting praise. I've perfected it out of the mouth of nursing infants and babes. Infants don't make it without the mother. They just don't make it. The purest form, what Jesus identified as perfect worship is dependency. It's slow, it's sacrificial. Without him, you don't make it, right? So David brings it back to slow and sacrificial and it is offensive to the new way. It's offensive to the new cart. It's offensive to what the synagogues have adopted there's no, there was no sacrificial worship in synagogues. We've learned this. But when it comes back to the temple, the sacrifice starts with the Lamb of God hanging on a tree, right? So David, listen, he gets this vision of heaven's environment. I'm still reviewing. He gets this vision of heaven's environment that we see all the way to Revelation 4. We see it in Revelation 5, how thousands upon thousands and 10,000 surround his throne crying holy. And it's like David got a picture of that. And it was like, he said, I figure if they're doing that and surrounding him up there, then we ought to do that down here. If we're gonna say we wanna see heaven on earth then we have to worship him like heaven worships him, right? And so David got this picture of heaven's environment and he, and he brings it down by literally putting musicians and singers at the center again. And he surrounds, he surrounds the ark. He surrounds the presence of the Lord with 10,000 people and continuously day and night, that's all they did. But what are they doing in Revelation 4 and 5? For eternity, they're crying, holy, holy, holy. Worthy is the lamb that was slain and they never get tired of it. And so we got this glimpse of a thing that touches Acts 15 of that's what I wanna rebuild. It touches Revelation 22 of David was the root and the descendant of, of, of Jesus, or Jesus was the root and the descendant of David. There was something about what this man caught 3,000 something years before. Are you with me? That till today, we still need it restored. We don't need to get into a new thing. We need to go back to putting it on the priests. Are you with me? So there was, listen, there's an environment and we're sensing it. We sensed it today. Like it's hard to, to stop and just go into preaching and do the thing. But we felt it today. There is an environment that God is inviting this house into stewarding right? There's an environment that, that I actually believe is what we have been prophesying. It's what we've been proclaiming. How many of you have ever read that book, When Heaven Invades Earth by Bill Johnson? And how many of you would say like it absolutely marked your life, right? I remember in the early days of just beginning to burn for the Lord, I read that and I am like, man, this Maranatha cry of come Lord Jesus, come is filling a generation that's wanting heaven, but we have to know the blueprints of heaven. We have to know the framework. We have to know what he likes. We have to know what moves him. And so the Lord is giving us, listen, something to steward here that I, I believe, and we're seeing it in part, but I believe without trying, the lost will be saved. Okay, without trying, without having to focus on the sicknesses, that cancer is gonna be healed. Last, we, we posted a, a testimony that we got yesterday of, of, I don't know if you're here, but but she had ovarian uh cysts, a lot of pain. And when we started singing and the train of your robe fills the temple, she said, I just started reaching for the train of his robe and all the pain left. No one got up and said, ovarian cysts, ovarian cysts. We just said, Jesus, 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 you're beautiful. The train of your robe fills the temple and they're going, oh my gosh, the pain is gone. 
right? So this is, this is the environment of in heaven, there's no sickness, there's no disease, there's no one confused. There's no heaviness. There's, there's none of those things are in heaven. And, and, and Kossi said it perfectly. When, when you walked in, you had it and we didn't even call it out, but you just begin to sacrificially worship and this thing just comes off in worship, right? So there's an environment. I want you to, if you're taking notes, right? Environment matters. We work hard here. We work hard here to protect the environment. And I know that that like, you know, is weird for you because all we preach is getting out of buildings, but the temple mattered to the Lord. In the new covenant, he was flipping tables and opening cages with doves inside of it. And he said, my father's house is not a house of merchandise, but shall be called a house of prayer. And, and zeal for his house has eaten him up. I know that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I know all you theologians, I get it. We are the house of God, right? But how many of you would say that there's something precious that happens when we come together and it's worth protecting? It is very much worth protecting because what's gonna happen is Gen Z is gonna come in here and they're gonna say, I don't know what that was, but I want it, right? Because of the environment, environment matters. It matters so much that when Jesus wanted to go and, and pray and heal people in his own town where they were familiar with him, like many are in the church, the blood of Jesus, the cross. I love the, you know, the old revivalists of the Welch revival. He said, I knew my days were done when I could look at the cross and tears wouldn't fill my eyes. How familiar we've come with the presence of Jesus and Jesus in his own town says he couldn't heal many except for those he laid hands on. They couldn't stop his personal anointing, but the environment mattered to him. And he left. Revelation chapter three, he's He's outside of the door of a church, which means at one time he was inside and he's knocking on the door of their heart, right? So environment matters. Make sure you write it down. What I want to lead into is anyone ever been in a service? I think my dad is a perfect example of this. You hear somebody preach and they're like deep, man. And you don't understand not a one word they're saying. Adam, thanks for being honest. You're like, I don't get half of what Cito just said, but something's shaking in the inside of me. Anyone, anyone know what I'm talking about? Are you going to worship and you're like, that's kind of like offending me, but I want to dance. Anyone, anyone know what I'm talking about? Like, like uh, they're starting to do something that's like kind of outside of my comfort zone, but I kind of like it. Like anyone, anyone know what I'm talking about, right? And there's something in that, that, that your spirit recognizes. Your brain is not so caught up yet right? I can't tell you how many thousands of times I've sat in my dad's services going, I, I don't understand what he's saying. <laughs> Till today, my own church, I'm like, I need to study more, right? But I'm like, but I like, I like what it's causing inside of me. And it makes me hungry to, to dive into this thing. I remember when my uncle Benny came uh, to Habit, no, it was, I don't know, maybe it was Habitation, and he preached and habitation is like this crazy, uh, like Savannah's falling out on stage and nobody's touching her. Like just, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know what to do with my body right now, okay? Then my uncle gets up, all grandpa-y, and everyone's expecting the, the jacket to fly at them. And he gets up and for like two hours, he, t he just preaches about loving the word, right? And I remember thinking to myself, this isn't what I expected. This is like a conference, you know, we want the fire, we want the stuff, <laughs> right? We want the jacket. They're protesting it outside, actually, praise God. 
Like my Uncle Benny, he's not even here. That poor guy. But I'm like, yeah, I want the stuff, right? And yet I leave the event, and I've talked about this with our team. I'm like, that night, I'm like burning to read my Bible. Anyone know what I'm talking about? There's something in the spirit that is first. I need you to hear me. It first starts in the spirit and then the natural. Don't be confused when something on the inside of you is attracted to rooms like this, but your mind is still offended. Don't be confused because you're touching something and it is a way of God. I want you guys to go to Genesis chapter one. Don't be confused that you're confused, all right? Genesis one, verse 26. Now I just really have one point and I'm gonna make it like seven different ways and then we're gonna be done. <laughs> verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish and the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, I need you to, to, to think about this. This is the sixth day. Everyone say sixth day. Man is not in the flesh yet. Okay? Still in spirit, and God is giving him commands in spirit. Because he's not formed, we'll see, until the seventh day. He didn't come up out of the dust of the ground until the day of God's rest, right? And we've learned this here. If you haven't, go back and watch the series that we did called Selah. But, but the, God's last day of rest is man's first day. God was literally born into his rest, right? And we see this in Hebrews 4, strive to enter into that rest, right? In the seventh day rest. But this is still the sixth day. God's still working. God's still busy. And he creates, listen, he let us make man in our image. And then he begins, he created him. Still in spirit, no flesh, but he created him. And it says he created him in his own image, the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. Verse 28, and God blessed them. This is a very real experience, encounter, relationship without flesh. Just spirit still. Be fruitful and multiply. He's giving them commands. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over all the fish of the sea, over all the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant for it to yield seed that the, over the face of all the earth, every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. Verse 30. And to every beast, listen, of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant is for your food. Still in spirit, not flesh yet. And it was so, and God saw that everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. Right? So it's good, good, good. He creates man, and now it's very good. All right? And there was evening, and there was morning on the sixth day. Chapter two, verse one. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested from all of his work. So God blessed the seventh day, made it holy because on it, God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. Jump down to verse five. When no bush of the field was yet in the land. Hear this. I thought he created it though. I thought he told them that every green plant is for your food. Then you get to the next day and he says, 
when no bush of the field was yet on the land. So now he's talking about the physical land. And no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord had not caused it to rain on the land, but there was, and there was no man to work the ground. But there was a man. But there was nothing in the flesh yet. There was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man in the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. This is kind of, like, I feel like we could do a seven-month like month study on Genesis 1 and 2. Unbelievable. Like, what on earth does that mean? Because... It says that it was completed. Because you're going to hear something today that you are finished. The deepest part of you is done. The deepest part of you in God's eyes, very good. But then God said, you know what? There's no one to actually take care of the physical world. But he'd already given man command in the spirit. There was something more real in the spirit that the physical became a reaction to. Remember, first spiritual, then the natural. So there was something in the realm of spirit. There was an environment between God and man in spirit on the sixth day. There was a relationship between God and man in the spirit on the sixth day. And then he decides, you know what? I need him to actually take care of the physical ground, so I'm gonna form him out of the dust. And this, phys this physical world becomes a secondary reality to what Adam knew. Because first, spirit, are you guys confused? First spirit, he created him on the sixth day, but he didn't form him until the seventh. So there is this relationship with God, kind of like Jesus was after the resurrection, where he lived between the physical and the spiritual, that he so conquered the physical that he could walk through walls and have bread with them and say, put your, put your fingers in here. Come on, touch it. I mean, I need you to realize, like, he pierced heaven. A man, an actual resurrected, physical Jesus Christ pierced heaven. They saw him ascend into heaven. So Jesus restores something that we see on the sixth day in Genesis chapter one. And he lives in this, it's no longer a tension, it's this effortless place of a reality between two worlds, right? New heaven and new earth. This relationship, listen, between God and man. How many of you remember in Luke 19, 10, Matthew 18, 11, it says of Jesus that he, it says he came to seek and save the lost. No, it doesn't. He came to seek and save that. Everyone say that. That which was lost. We've learned it. He didn't just come to save the lost. How many of you are lost? Absolutely, every hand go up. If you don't know you're lost, we're gonna, you'll know by the end of today. We'll rebuke you to be fine. No, I'm just kidding. He came to seek and save that which was lost. So it wasn't just a lost man. It was an environment that man lived in. It was a relationship between God and man. It was a world. It wasn't... It was a whole atmosphere that Adam knew. How many of you were chosen in him before the foundation of the world? Okay, so there's, there's this place of spirit that you come from. 
that's more real than your parents. It's more real than your life. It's more real than anything physical in this world. There is this place of spirit that is your origin. Let us make man. You were chosen in him before, Ephesians says, before the foundation of the world. So you were a part of it. and And also he didn't invite you to the meeting where he decided in his image and his likeness. Right, so your beginning is heaven. Do you believe this? So Jesus shows up and he, and, and he would say things like, Father, restore the glory I had with you before the foundation of the world. He didn't say, Father, I can't wait for my bright future and I can't wait to see heaven. That's how we talk in church because it's so separate to us. It's, it's Pluto to us that we're gonna die and we're gonna float somewhere into Pluto when God has over and over and over and over said, I wanna fill the earth with my glory. We see that he's gonna take all things in heaven and in earth and bring them together. And we're trying to get somewhere. We're trying to get out, God's trying to get in. Because what God is after is God is after the environment of the sixth day. God is after the relationship of that sixth day. And all of a sudden, we wake up in rest. Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. Not just a bunch of people that went to a big, bad, dark world, hell bound. Like if if the, the whole story was man messed up, the earth is going down, we're all doomed, You came here, but the point is just to get back to where you came from. Just leave me there. This is what I would hear my dad say all the time. If the point was just to die and go to heaven, why would you send me to the earth to struggle, to deal with fear, to deal with bills? And I got a 50-50 chance. I make it back. Like your whole goal in life, stay out of hell. And we got preachers today talking more about hell and more about heaven than him. I love heaven. You're going to die and go to heaven. Amen? Amen. But what if there's a glory that God wants to put inside of a generation now that is a rise and shine for your light has come and it's gonna yank the kingdom of God to the earth. And we're gonna hear the angels say that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom, the kingdom, no no longer plural, but the kingdom of our God and his Christ. And so you're stressed out about Nancy Pelosi and thinking I'm gonna get out of here soon. But God is like, I am going to fill the earth with my glory. Come up here. There's a door open in heaven. Come up here with your perspective, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'm going to give you the seventh day again. I came to seek and save that, the environment, the relationship, the encounter between God and man. This is the whole goal, Revelation 21, that he was going to tabernacle on the earth. Everyone say on the earth. Anyone like being humble, being meek? Do you know that the earth is your inheritance? The meek will inherit the earth. We're all trying to inherit heaven. Heaven is trying to inherit the earth. Hear my heart. You're going to heaven. I am not taking that away from you. We are going to bask in the glory of the Lord, and we are going to put off this tent, and I am going to dance like David danced with David. And I'm very excited about that. Okay, but what if I could dance like David danced on the earth? And, 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 what if, and what if the hosts of heaven 
are listening, like it says in Revelation chapter eight, that they're listening to the worship and the incense of the saints. The prayers, which is the incense in Revelation, it says the prayers and the worship of the saints. And it's coming before the throne of God and the reaction of heaven is I'm gonna pour back to the earth. This is heaven's direction. This is heaven's aim is here. Okay, so Jesus is coming to restore that. But you have to understand who in the heck are you? Because there's a mask that we've got to take off. Creation is groaning, it says in Revelation chapter 8, 19. Revela- that creation is in travail, like in birth pain, waiting for the manifestation, the revealing of the sons of God. Anyone a son of God in this house? Okay. It's, it's on tiptoe, some says, because in, on the sixth day, in spirit, Adam is told this all is under your dominion. So when man fell, creation fell with man, right? And so the restoration of all things is dependent on man believing the cross more than Adam. Some of you are not with me today. Okay, so, so you have this revealing that has to take place according to Romans eight nineteen, And that word revealing means to take the cover off to take the mask off. Creation is waiting for you really to become you. Not your idea of you, but the sixth day idea of you. Image, likeness. Heaven is longing for the, se- I mean, creation's longing for the seventh day rest again. And that word groaning, it creation's in chaos. It's anxious. It, is, it says in one translation, anxiously waiting on tiptoe. It's anxious because man is anxious. It's anxious because man is stuck on the news, anxious. And we don't realize that the power of the will of man, the power of the thought of man that was given from God in the realm of spirit on the sixth day, creation is still responding to. This is why environments change when we gather in rooms like this and forget our problems. Because all of a sudden walls begin to feel heaven again. Are you with me? Go to Romans 8. Romans chapter eight. And go to, start in verse 12. And this is really, I want, I want to just drill this point home because creation is waiting for you to understand something. Creation is waiting. It says the people perish for a lack of knowledge. Everyone say knowledge. They lack for they, they, they die and they perish and generations go through cycle after cycle after cycle because there's not yet been one who fully believes. But there is one coming that will literally cause the skies to split open. Why? Because he's waiting for a bride that's made herself ready. I love that he's not gonna get us ready. He's looking for people that have a revelation that have a knowledge of heaven and are after it invading the earth, okay? So you get to Romans 8, verse 12, it says, so then brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. See, this was the problem with Adam is he began to believe the reality of the flesh more than he believed what was happening on the sixth day. And how he fell was the enemy confused Eve into thinking something 
that already belonged to her. He said, don't you want to be like God? And we've heard this there. We go to, I learned this trick from my dad. I do it all the time when I travel. How many of you want to be like God? And everybody's like, <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, well, then who are you right now? Then who exactly are you if you're not his image and not his likeness right now? Because you're the image and likeness of something, right? And this is why he fell is, don't you want to be like God? And her answer should have been, I'm already like him. Remember the sixth day? Remember when he gave us the command in spirit? And so the enemy doesn't come, the sex and the drugs and the lies, all the stuff, it rock and roll, it's your flesh. But the root of that flesh is something that sounds right. It's something that sounds good. It's something that's like, you know, I'm just waiting, brother, for him to come and get me out of here that blessed day. But this says, we are no longer allowed to live according to the flesh. No decisions according to the flesh. Like this is profound. Then you get to verse 14. It says, for all who are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. I love the passion. It says, those that have been trained in the impulses of the spirit. He's changing your reactions. He's changing that reaction that you have when you're in your subconscious, right? He's changing the impulses of his church. And it says, those that are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. This is what I want you to see. This is what we're going after today. Verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back. Everyone say fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That word adoption is not the adoption that we understand today. Now, I love adoption. I have a dream of being able to adopt. I, it, I mean, I listened to an Andy Bird message one time, called my wife, said we're gonna adopt 58 kids, okay? <laughs> I love adoption. I'm all about adoption. I'm all about taking someone who is not and making them someone who is, right? But this specific verse, that word adoption in Greek, is not something that was, or someone that was outside of the family came into the family. That's not what it means. That word adoption, I want you to write this down in Greek, means the placing of a son or son placement. Kinship, which actually means blood relationship. It's not a stranger becoming family. It's you left the seat that you were always in. And he's bringing you back to the seat that you were always supposed to be in. Adoption is not you were a stranger, far off. You weren't just some outsider and you came into a family that you originally did not belong to. That is not what the word adoption means in Greek. What the word adoption means is Greek is son placement, kinship, which means blood relationship. It's a reminder through the spirit of who you always have been. It's I'm bringing you back into the seat that you left and I'm restoring and I'm seeking and saving that which was lost. Lost implies that one time you were found. Lost implies that I was somewhere I left and I got lost. I was at Disneyland with my parents. I walked, I started wandering off. And they went and got the cops and they came and they went to seek and save that which was lost. And they said, son, in our hearts, the Holy Spirit coming in our hearts sounds like this. Son, crying, Abba, Father. It says in the, in the new covenant that 
In times past, the prophets spoke to us by dreams and visions and prophetic prophecies, but now he has spoken to us by his son. There's a language in heaven called son. There's an understanding in heaven called son. And adoption is, is you were here, but you used to be here. Before the foundation of the world, I chose you. I selected you. I anointed you. I called you and you didn't have any say to who you were born to, what you looked like. When I wanted to be 6'2", he said, no, 5'7", baby. And I said, no way, but I had to deal with it. No matter how much I pray, I didn't have any say in any... <laughs> Perfect. Well done. I, I, didn't have any say. I didn't have any say in any of those things because I wasn't a part of the plan of God to go, you know what? I want my image in my life. I want to look at myself. So I'm going to create humanity. I'm going to choose them before the foundation of the world. And the experience of the sixth day and the environment is going to become so much that they're going to be born. I mean, it's like trillions of chances of like you being here today based on even the way reproduction works, which we won't get into today. But I mean, trillions and trillions of chances. And then you add another couple more zeros that you're sitting in this room and you're suicidal. You're confused about life because you're seeking the wrong thing. You're pursuing the destiny, you're pursuing the call, but there's proximity to an environment that is your beginning. I need you to hear the spirit of adoption is the spirit of bringing you back to the beginning. It's not bringing you from the outside in. It's bringing you back into the place you always belonged. See, this makes evangelism so much easier because we all, everyone say we all, were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. It says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. So the crazy drug addict at the mall that you meet you don't need to try to convince him of anything. You just need to talk to the spirit that's fallen asleep. You got to go knock on the door. Hey, remember. Remember. Right? You read, you read in Isaiah 49. Listen to this. Listen to me, O coastlands. I love this because this, is, this prophet is speaking as if Jesus himself is speaking. Okay, and it says, listen to me, O coastlands. Give attention, you people from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named my name, right? This is years, thousands of years before Jesus shows up and this prophet is, is being the voice of the Christ, the lamb that was slain before, there it is again, the foundation of the world. Jesus was fulfilling something that was already done, Okay. And, and Jesus is talking here and he says, he, the Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother, he named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword in the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow in his quiver, he hid me away. He said to me, you are my servant Israel in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. See, I believe that it was, it was the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ himself, that was the one leading them through the wilderness. I believe that you find him on every single page that you read in scripture. He's the one from everlasting. I mean, you can just go, you're the one from everlasting. You have no beginning. And just stop for three minutes and you'll get saved. <laughs> just think on that. 
He's from forever. What does that even mean? No beginning and no end. You had a beginning. He did not have a beginning. No beginning, no end. And he's saying of himself, I have labored in vain and I have spent my strength for nothing and for vanity. The complaining children of Israel. It says this, yet surely my right, listen, is with the Lord and my recompense is with my God. And now the Lord says who formed me from the womb to be a servant, bring Jacob back to me. I <laughs> just, don't go and try to win him and convince him of something he doesn't know. Go remind him. Bring him back to the house. Go get your brother. Bring him back. I need you to see this because the perspective begins to change when you begin to see this rightly. Because your problem is you, I promise you. Your fear, your, your, all of this stuff is called carnal thinking. It's with this thinking of I'm here and I'm trying to get here. No, you started here. You're from here. Your spirit knows here. Your, your spirit man remembers here. I'm fascinated that Jesus said, restore the glory I had with you before the foundation. It's he remembered something. He had to become the author of our salvation through the things that he suffered. As a child, he's searching in the temple at 12 years old, looking for his father. He's, he was asking questions. He wasn't giving them revelation. Think about this. A young boy had to completely go through it, fully as a man, fully God, fully man, but completely as a man. He has to walk out this life. And at 12 years old, at some point, Mary had to come and say, hey, Joseph, he's not your father. Sorry. But the Holy Spirit overshadowed me and you're the chosen one. And he had to read Isaiah like Costi read that he has anointed me. He would read the Psalms that would talk about the chastisement of their peace will be on my shoulders. That by my stripes, they're gonna have to be healed. And at 12 years old, he's asking questions about himself. And he's mesmerizing scholars with his questions. He had to come to discover who he had always been, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. This is mind-blowing. Mind and then he had to believe it. Then he had to hang on a tree and go, I'm going to get raised on the third day. How many of you would believe? You heard a whisper in your ear. It says that the, the father whispered to the son morning by morning and would awaken him. He had to learn relationship with the father. This will, you know, bother some of you, but who cares? He had to learn relationship with the father just like you do. Man, the man. There's one mediator between God and man. The man. Everyone say the man. Yeah. One mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. That is. Jesus had to come to discover who he's always been and then believe it to the point of conquering death and preaching in hell. Like he got to hell and he's like, I'm not staying here. I'm just here to set them all free. And you go and you read about even back to the days of Noah, he's preaching to them. Reminding them of where you come from. So you get, listen, 1 Corinthians 5, 16, 19. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. We regard no one according to what's ending. But even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
Old things have passed away and all things have become new. All this, listen, is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God God the Father was in Christ reconciling the world back. Everyone say back. Back to himself. That is, listen, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting us with the message of reconciliation. That word reconciliation, write it down, means reuniting. It means bringing together again. It means reunion. It's this, restoring something lost. These are all words out of that Greek word, reconciliation. This is what the meaning is. It was that, that he came to seek and save, to restore that which was lost. Okay, like two more, two more points. You guys okay? You good? All right. Ecclesiastes 3, turn to Ecclesiastes 3. I have a goal to remind you of what you know. Anyone ever, anyone ever like heard someone preaching and you get this revelation and it's not like, the reaction in your spirit is not like I didn't know that and now I know. It's kind of like, oh, oh yeah. That's way more simple than I thought it was. Anyone? Wow, I really overcomplicated that. Wow, I can be free from sin. Hmm. Is it that easy? Yep. And it's like, you know it, but you don't know it. And this light bulb comes on that had just been turned off. It, it's, it's awakening out of sleep. How many times do we see that in scripture? Awaken, oh sleeper, Right? So, so even revelation, like I'm not telling you anything new. Like we're on this search to get to a destination, but you're, 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 you're on this journey getting back to before the foundation of the world. You're, you're going to the beginning. So you get to Ecclesiastes, listen, chapter three. I'm gonna start in verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time and he has put eternity into man's heart. Let's just stop there. Let's just stop there for a minute. We gotta slow down, slow and sacrificial. (laughs) Okay, this is the Old Testament. I'm begging you, millennials, Gen Z, read the Old Testament, okay? Read Leviticus. Don't be dumb. I love you, but like, don't don't pray for 100 people and read your Bible once a month. Please, for the love of all that is holy, (laughs) don't be illiterate. I'm so sick. I love you young people, but I'm so tired of talking to young people. And I'm like, they're telling me about all their problems. And I ask them, how many, do you read the scriptures? Well, I pray a lot. Like this is, praying and reading your scriptures is like, reading the scriptures is, is inhaling and exhaling. You can't have one without the other. You're all waiting for God to talk to you. And there's a lot of pages here of his voice. Please read, amen, be a reader. All right. And don't listen to it on your audio thing while you're working out and think that you're reading the Bible. Sorry. You're not paying attention. You're not. You're, you're, you know, you are, it is. You're, you're focused on a hundred things and how many, guys, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna confess. I do it all the time, okay? And you're jogging and you're like, I, I literally just listened to a whole chapter of the holiest words ever in print and didn't pay attention one time. That's kind of convicting. Slow down and eat the sustenance of his flesh, please. Okay, thank you. Had to get it off my chest. 
but working out's good. You should do that. All right. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he put eternity into the hearts of man. Doesn't say he's going to. He has put. Everyone say, he has put. Everlasting is inside of you right now. Forever is already you. This is mind-blowing. I have put eternity in their hearts. What he's saying is they know it. They know everlasting. Their spirit recognizes eternity. It's what causes us to jump inside of worship rooms. It's what causes us to cry. It's what causes us that when they start singing about nothing but the blood of Jesus, you're crying like an idiot and you don't know why. It's because you're touching something that your spirit remembers. You're, you're touching the origin of your beginning. It's like you came home. You came home and you got into the right environment again and you felt peace for the first time. It's like you can be out in the world, but you walk into my mom's house and you smell the Arabic food like we did when we we're little. Emily's still working on it. I love you, babe. She wasn't feeling well today. But you know, you walk in and you smell the kissik soon. You guys don't know what that is. You smell the manish. Jesus, this is what Jesus said. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he made a throw up sound. <laughs> Bro, you don't even know. That is offensive. <laughs> and peace hits your life because you got home and you can breathe. You entered into the seventh day. You can sit on the couch, right? His presence is home. This environment that we're experiencing is home. And you want to get in the room and you don't want to leave because you're touching the beginning. And your spirit remembers, but your brain hasn't caught up yet. So this is more insane. He put eternity in their hearts, yet they can't find out what God has done from beginning to end. Then jump to verse 14. I perceive for whatever God does endures forever. Everyone say forever. There's nothing you can do to change your image and your likeness. You, can't, you can choose to not live in it, but you can't change it. Nothing can be added to it nor anything taken from it, God has done. Everyone say done. He's done it. So that people fear before him. Here's what's crazy. Put your thinking caps on, Jesus. I thank you for the spirit of revelation. Fall in this room. Verse 15, that which is already has been. And that which is to be has already been. And God seeks what has been driven away. Okay. That which is, is now. Everyone say now, right? Let's put, it, let's put this together. That which is, that's now, all right, has already been. That which is going to be has also already been. And what God desires is that which has already been. Okay. That which is has already been. Josie has already been. And who Josie's going to be has already been. And who the father desires is the Josie that's already been from the beginning. Not who Josie's going to be, but who Josie was. Hear what I'm saying. Not who Josie's going to be when she's 50, 60, when she's more anointed and she's fulfilled her dreams and she's fulfilled her call. This is why we have to ask the Holy Spirit, 
crucify our callings, our anointings, our, our, all of this stuff. And, and people are like, wait, 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 what? That's how God's going to use me. He can't use you. He comes in you. He reaches through you from everlasting. And you become a vessel of the Holy Spirit in which he can use. So, so it's not about your dream. It's about what is God's dream? Not the hope of your calling, the scriptures. They say, what is the hope of his call? So he's not concerned with who Josie is now. Your anxiety, your fear, all of that stuff. And we're thinking he's going to be proud of me one day or one day I'm going to change. One day I'm going to be anointed. One day I'm going to be used in stadiums. One day, one day, one day. And he's not going to get excited when that day comes. He wants you to go back to just believing who you always have been from the foundation of the world. That which is, that which is, has already been. You've already, the highest point of your anointing, you've already walked in it. The highest call you could ever fulfill, it's already happened. He finishes things and then he starts them just because he's God. We think we come to these moments of now he's using me. No, 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 you're just stepping into what's always belonged to you. The problem is, is that you're in the way, you're still the is and you're still the going to be. Well, this is who I am, I'm me. No, you're lost. Well, this is who I'm gonna be one day when I grow up and, and the Lord told me I'm gonna go to Guam and all that stuff. But who exactly are you right now? This is why it says that we have been entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation. We've been entrusted to go up to Hans and say, take the cover off. Take the mask off, Jasmine. This is who you are. And you know what? You've always been that from the foundation of the world. You were in him, chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Remember when the, the men in Luke 24 on the road to Emmaus and they're walking with God and they can't, their eyes can't recognize him, remember? And they're sad and he comes up, he says, why are you sad? Same day, he's raised, same exact day that he's raised. He starts walking up to them. They don't even recognize him. Why are you sad? Are you the only one in all of Jerusalem that doesn't know? And then, and then he starts opening the scriptures to them, which by the way, was the Old Testament, millennials. They didn't have the New Testament. He's talking about Isaiah 48. Bring Jacob back to me. He's going through Leviticus, Sodom and Gomorrah, and their hearts are burning. And then they get at a table with him and they all of a sudden recognize him. And then they realize, wait a minute. When that guy was on the road with us, did our hearts not burn when he opened the scriptures to us? Why? Because inside of man's heart is eternity. He's reading their life. He's reading where they come from. He's telling them about the dad that they never knew, but they kind of remember. The father that's always been their father. The food, the inheritance that's always belonged to them. It's like someone comes into your life and says, you're a millionaire. You say, no, I'm not. They say, no, no, no. You've actually been a millionaire till you, since you were a two-year-old and you just never knew that you had this parent that left it for you. Nobody told you. This is the ministry of reconciliation. Is, is this is your inheritance. Kingship, it's, it's blood covenant. It's not adoption. We threw in adoption. I, I love adoption, again. But it's not I was out here and then I came in. What does it say in the scriptures? Let's see if I have it on here. Please, Lord, let me have put this on here. Hold. <laughs> Look at that. Colossians 1, 21, 22. And you 
who once were alienated, listen, and enemies where? In your own mind. By wicked works, yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you as holy, blameless, above reproach in sight. In other words, he presented you to you as you've always been to him. See, revival is not, I love this statement. I've heard a pastor say this. Revival is not you catching a glimpse of how filthy you are and running to an altar. We like the way that that feels as leaders who scared the heck out of people. And we just told them about what they are going to be, good or bad. But he's not after what they're going to be, good or bad. He's after people bringing you back to who you've always been. So, so here's in the context of what God's doing here, the framework. We have a goal to create an environment that was, still is, and forever will be. When we worship and we cry holy, people, I can't tell you, this is probably the number one uh, having to do with worship complaint that I get. You guys just sing the same thing over and over again. You just say holy for an hour like you want, you want to move on to something. You want to go somewhere with people who follow all the stuff, right? But literally, heaven is on repeat and it doesn't get old. So what we're going to do here, okay, is we're just going to do exactly what they're doing in Revelation 4 and 5. What's going to happen is people are going to come into this room and their spirit's going to remember something. And they're going to leave in their car going, when that crazy guy was yelling, it's kind of short, really feisty. But when he was yelling, I was offended by him, but my something was burning on the inside of me. Because I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to your flesh. I'm not talking to your issues. We're talking to who God has called you to be from the beginning. And what's going to happen is the spirit man is going to begin to awaken inside of a generation. And the next thing you know, we're not going to be battling sickness anymore. We're going to realize, I haven't been sick in three years. You're going to all of a sudden, which I'm prophesying that. I have. I'm prophesying. I, I, don't, I don't remember the last time I looked at a woman lustfully. I don't remember the last time that I actually stepped into sin and while the whole church is telling you, no, 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 you're, you're just a sinner. Are you kidding me? No, 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 let me tell you about the sixth day. See, that's who God, listen, deemed worthy enough to come. Just a wretched sinner you are, but one day you have a glorified body and we wonder why there's no power no glory. We go through generation after generation after generation because there's not a bunch of people wild enough to believe what's always been true. Can you guys stand your feet? Can I get the worship team to come back up? Mark chapter four. And then I'm done. Okay. Anyone confused? Just lean into it. Just lean right into it. Mark 4, I'm not going to read it, I'm just going to paraphrase, but do you guys remember in Mark 4 when, when, uh, when Jesus is sleeping in the stern of the boat? You guys remember that? And the next thing you know, the storm is going crazy, the storm is raging, the disciples are petrified for their life, he's taking a nap, not waking up with one thing, right? But then the disciples come to him and they say, like, do you want us to die or what's the plan here, right? Jesus wakes up frustrated, bothered, annoyed. He wakes up and he rebukes the storm and he rebukes them. 
right? I love this so much. He rebukes the storm and he rebukes them. He tells the wind to shut up, literally, okay? The wind quiets in a moment and they think to themselves, whoa, like even the wind and waves obey him. That word rebuke in Greek means this, to raise the value up. Just read on your own time in Mark 4. The Thayer definition is to show honor to. In other words, anyone have kids? Anyone have kids? Anyone ever said to your kids, you know better? And you kind of depend on your parenting. <laughs> you know better than that, William. Don't throw a truck at your sister's face. <laughs> to say it a lot, say it every day. But you don't discipline them because because really, honestly, there's moments that you're just angry and we shouldn't just be angry. But there's something in you as a parent that takes pride in who you know they're going to be. Right? There, there's a perspective that you have that they don't have, that they don't understand throwing a truck at someone's face isn't okay. Right? And no matter how many times you tell them, they still do it. But you know that there's a day coming where they're gonna step into, they've always been in the spirit and discipline comes out of this place of, you know better. You're my son. You know better than that, right? My kid hears a curse word and then repeats it. Not from me, of course. You know, from a movie, whatever, their mother. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. She's not here, so I can say that. She's very mad at me right now. And you say, you know better. You raise the value of them. You actually honor them. You honor who they truly are by rebuking them for not being them. So he stands up on the boat. And he looks at wind and he says, you know better. And listens. <laughs> I mean, the wind understands and hears the father's voice in the sun. Can't, can't tell the difference between the father and son. And then we come to this point where it says one son, because of the joy, listen, that was set before him, became many sons. Is anyone a son of God? Women all included. Creation cannot tell the difference between the son and the father and the voice and the longing and the expectation and the anxiousness of creation is longing for the sons to speak to the wind and say, I need to raise your value. But why would it listen and raise its value if you have not raised yours? Who has God said that you are? And I promise you, when you start thinking like this, you're gonna think differently when you're driving home. You're gonna believe differently when there's no money in the bank. How little is that in regards to forever and everlasting? It's like Jesus looked at the storm and said, have you forgotten? I mean, he made sure to put in place who he is and make sure the wind knew. And wind and waves obeyed him. Waters supported his feet. And then he would say crazy things like, greater things shall you do. And we're sitting in church confused and scared. And we sit on our couches and we watch Fox or CNN or whatever garbage you watch. You're confused and scared and afraid, thinking that somebody in the White House is more important than a God who's seated, seated. Listen, he holds the whole universe 
in the span of his palm. Now, I'm all for like, you know, voting and getting involved in all those things. But how little is our worry? How little is our concern and our fear? And all I wanted to do today was remind you of who you've always been to God. And I believe revival is coming saying, not how filthy you are, but let me tell you how precious you are. And when you're like, yeah, but I, but I had sex last night. Yeah, but you're precious. Yeah, but I did this. Yeah, but you're precious. And it's the goodness of God that draws us to repentance, not the, not the terror of the Lord. So let's lift our hands. I had a dream on Thursday of people being baptized in the Holy Spirit. People got saved today. People came home today. People got healed. But I just want to finish today for some of you that have been longing for the baptism of the Holy Spirit because listen, the Holy Spirit is the one who comes in you and cries through you, Abba Father. He's the one that comes and he fills you and he redeems you. And we say, God, we want your fire so that we can scream loud. Oh my goodness. The fire of God has nothing to do with how loud you are. The fire of God has nothing to do if you fall over or not. The fire of God is about the purification. It's about the restoring of his people back to innocence. So we're going to ask that the Holy Spirit fall. There's just, it's not a lot of you I felt, but maybe it is. But there's people specifically that have been asking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're just going to take five minutes as we close. Can I have actually the altar team come up? Pastors, really quick, and just line up on the stage. And I want to pray. I I just feel like we're going to leave whole today. We're going to leave saved, healed, delivered, set free, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. I am convicted as a house that we are to start stepping into this more and more. How dare we preach and not give people an opportunity to respond to the one that is calling them, that is calling your heart to burn. Some of you, your heart has been burning this whole time. And I'm telling you that that is the asking of the Lord of come be filled afresh and anew. And it's not just one time you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter in Acts chapter 10 had already been filled and he's preaching and God interrupts him and the room and the walls begin to shake. Like we need those dangerous kind of meetings again. Do it again, God. So let's lift our hands. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and remind us, Jesus, you even said that when you ascend, you told your disciples, don't worry, the Holy Spirit will bring you into remembrance of everything I have said. How supernatural that they could remember every detail of these stories, that they could remember every moment only by the power of your spirit. It's not by might, it is not by power, but by my spirit, say the Lord of hosts. So Lord, I ask that you burn inside of their hearts. Thank you again for joining us for this podcast. We pray that above all, your life was touched by his presence. If you're interested in learning more about the church or getting plugged in, you can visit us at www.risennation.org or follow us on social media to stay up to date with all that God is doing here. We love you guys. God bless.